0: What a, what a blessing to have my own son introduce me. That's uh, amazing. And I see that mo- all my life, I poured my life into him. And now he's pouring his life into me and I'm so happy to call him my pastor. And um, I'm a little disappointed because uh, when he heard I was gonna be preaching this Sunday, he booked it out of town. So, I don't know what's going on. Not only that, you know, we've been praying that, that there'll be no hecklers in the service. Right? Right? No hecklers. And all the hecklers have gone on cruises. So mention it to them when they get back. It was peaceful in the service without them. We're so glad to be able to share the gospel with you. Do we really believe the words we're singing? He turns bones into armies. You know, that comes right out of the scriptures. If you don't believe it, just go to Ezekiel, read Ezekiel. And it, the story is there in Ezekiel. I love I love when we, we're singing the gospel. Um, that's when life begins to happen. Uh, do you believe in miracles? You see, what's, what Satan wants to do, he wants to destroy your future, discourage you from moving into the future, because the future, if you get miracles now, the future is exciting. And he does not want you to have that excitement in your life. Yeah, I believe in miracles. You know, I walked my father through three or four heart attacks and uh, I didn't even know he had a heart attack I don't know if he did either found him one day lying beside the tractor in the field in the shade of the the wheel and as I was working out there with him and uh, I went and I shook him woke him up you okay dad yeah I'm okay and I'm just not feel well I think I'll walk home it's about three-quarters of a mile home so he left the tractor sitting in the field and he walked home he had a a heart, heart attack he never even went to the doctor one other time, he's coming home from town with a truckload of grain, and he runs into the ditch and overturns the truck and destroys the truck, and he walks out of it. That was his heart attack number two. And he had some he kept from me. But the final one, we, uh, his final heart attack, uh, he, he was so, we took him to the doctor. The doctor checked him out, and uh, uh, when he checked him out, he said, uh, He sent us clothes home. He said, He won't be needing these. He said, he's not seen that much damage in a heart that he could remember. And uh, so, had a little chat with my dad. He said, call Uncle Jake. Uncle Jake was his older half-brother who lived in Ontario. And uh, we called Uncle Jake, he flew out, took him to the hospital. And uh, I remember Uncle Jake, he was the guy who only had one thumb, he had one thumb missing. And he always told us the story that a dog chewed his thumb off. So. he was a real unique guy in our lives so anyway, Uncle Jake went in there with my dad he spent a couple of hours with my dad that day and I don't know what happened that day but some of the things we sing in these songs happened that day in that room because about, uh, about a week or ten days later we brought our clothes to, my, to the hospital took my dad home and he, he was good for five years <laughs> see, I believe in miracles Miracles is Jesus signature. Thanks, Sean. You're a miracle, too. (laughs) Sean has been part of my life for a long time. So anyway, I'm going to tell you some of my story today. And uh, uh, we're going to we're going to set you up for a miracle. Okay, you ready for a miracle? (laughs) If you don't like miracles, you can identify with the scribes and Pharisees in the Bible. They didn't like Jesus doing what he did either. And so and they were always mad at him, and they were mad at the things he did, and so they just left the meeting. Lock up. We don't have any scribes and Pharisees here, do we? Uh, today I'm going to talk to you about a subject. I, I shared this in Cuba uh, here a few months a couple of months ago. Uh, I, I call it the uh, what's in your filing cabinet? What do you have in you? You know, many years ago, I developed a system of storage. And uh, it was an old fashioned filing cabinet like that. And uh, the one I've got, it, it stands about this high. It's got four drawers, four long drawers in it. And you pull it out, they're all full of files. And those files document some of the important things that happened in my life. And some so that are not so important I'd like to forget, but they're there anyway. And every once in a while I have to go through my filing cabinet and, and purge out some of the stuff I don't need because, you know, stuff gets old and you have to get rid of it. And so I, I go through it. And, but I've stored things there from 50 years ago. Um, when Beth and I got married, I, I knew I needed something. We didn't have stuff like, like uh, these, these crazy iPhones. You never know it will come out of these things, you know. Yeah, you can put stuff in, but you don't know where it is. You never know if it'll come out. It won't. Never changed my heart. But you know, the filing cabinet, the, the filing cabinet that I'm going to be talking about, the filing cabinet we have right in here. What are you putting in there? But it started with having a filing system, and uh, you you can't trust this phone. The other day, two days ago, I was in my bed in the morning after after I was we, we do our devotional time in bed. We have coffee in bed and stuff like that. And then we have our devotional time for about an hour, hour and a half. And that's when we're filling up. And so, I, uh, Beth got up to make breakfast. And so, I, uh, I went on my phone and I said, I said to Siri, uh, where's Jesus? And just quick as a flash, I got an answer. I'm here. <laughs> I thought, this thing is dangerous. <laughs> I'm here. It was a female voice, very pleasant very nice, you know, respectful, I'm here. I thought, I'm not opening that phone again. (laughs) I used to gather information because uh, there may be some some things you'll need tomorrow. So you put them away today. All my business transactions, um, I put away, the documents, the records of business, and all my finances, and and, uh, all the, the, you know, the government stuff, CRA stuff, you gotta keep that kind of stuff. So that you know what, you know, you might have to refer to it later. Uh, family treasures, all our ministry events. You know, all of, we've, we've done about 60 ministry trips I have overseas, most of it the third world. And it's all documented. Every place I went, the times and who I went, went with us. We've taken about 250 people with us overseas. And that all became part of our lives. And it was filed away. Not only was it filed away in the filing cabinet, it was filed away here but I can always go back there and refer to it. That's what's key about having a good filing system. You can refer to it. After we moved to Airdrie uh, here about, just about six years ago now, we uh, got a letter from the government. You know, CRA, crazy something or other. (laughs) CRA, they they sent me a letter. You owe us $6,000. And so I went to my filing cabinet, I opened up their file. And I took it out, and I gave it to Pastor Aaron, because she takes care of this stuff really well. She makes a few phone calls, sends some letters, and sends some forms in, this and that. And about three, three weeks later or so, I get a check for $3,000. Good thing I kept the file, because now I had something to refer to and to send to them. So it's very important to keep good records. Um, all of our ministry events, our missions, uh, we've got records, all my teaching materials. You know, I've got about 250 or so in, in my computer, you know, I've got, I've got this filing cabinet too. I've got this one too. And I got my computer and I got my laptop and there's files in all of them. But, uh, but, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've got stuff that I can go get tangible, get out and look it over. And it helps to remind me what I've done. Okay. It's very important. So, uh, what was I telling you uh, I've got so many things oh yeah filing cabinet uh, all of ministry stuff we do it's in the file okay uh, we we got Sean over here his nasty dashi took off already uh, I don't know if he knew it but he is in my filing cabinet he dwells there because we watched him for a couple of years they're fooling around fooling around fooling around funny they said we're in love Let's do, let's do the thing. Let's get married. So they went got the documents, once I get that document and we have a ceremony and we register them into my filing cabinet. So he's lived there now for how many years, Sean? How many? 14 years? 16 years. In fact, just talk to Pastor Corey sometime, ask him, how is it in the filing cabinet? Because he's been in my filing cabinet for 25 years this year. Don't forget, Pastor Cory Pastor Aaron, in my filing cabinet, and anytime there's any question about this or that or the other, about uh, what happened, I pull the pulled file out and say, you said, because it's documented, you're going to love and cherish? Yeah, that's what you said. So I've got the evidence here. So live up to what's in my filing cabinet. And so we store you, Okay, if you have anything to do with me, we store you. And if I outlive you, there might be another thing that might be stored in there too, because I do funerals and once, once I've got you in that kind of a situation into my filing cabinet, forever. Okay, we take care of you. Okay, then we know, we, we can go back there. I've got my mother and father in my filing cabinet too. I don't know how, if they pre- appreciate that much that much and I got best mom and dad and I got all kinds of people that I've served in a capacity of uh, their, their funeral uh, service you know and it's it's a blessing to be able to go back and say this is what I preached that day this is the scripture I referred to it's all documented so filing is very important and in the same way that we we but it needs to be cleaned out every once in a while keep the good stuff And get rid of the bad stuff and the filing cabinet that you have in here every once in a while like about daily you need to get some rid of some stuff that's called confession that's how you get rid of stuff that you don't need so we need to get rid of stuff clean it out it requires a regular cleaning and then it'll be useful for you when you need what's in there okay in the same way we build our character okay my father began to build something in me many, many years ago when I was a little kid. Okay, that, that's just about you know, a century ago. And uh, he, he started to impart some things to me because I was raised on a farm, we had nine kids, we had you know a lot of pressure in the, in the household. And so I learned a work ethic when I was very young because I was the oldest son. So uh, I got to do all the good stuff with my dad. And in these times we had together, he, showed me what his character was, and he expected me to adopt that and store it right here. Honesty, integrity, your word is your life. You don't say something and then do something else. You don't make a promise and not keep it, never. So my father taught me a lot of things. He was a giant in my life. Um, uh, The people that we grow up with influence us, and sometimes they're damaging influences, and we file them and those damaging influences uh, influences follow us and they affect us, they affect our walk, they make us cripples, they cause us to be bent over. Remember the story in the Bible where a woman came to the church. Jesus was having a service and the woman comes in. The Bible says she was bent over and she couldn't in no ways raise her up. We get to the place sometimes if we store the wrong things in here that we cannot raise ourselves up anymore because we're discouraged. We're broken. We're failures. uh, We have no hope anymore. And we walk like this all the time in our minds because of what we've stored in here. It's become part of our being, part of our character. And the whole point of Jesus coming to this earth is demonstrated in this, this what happened that day in that service where the scribes and Pharisees were watching him to make sure that he didn't do something that didn't quite agree with them. It was a Sabbath day for one thing. So lay off the works. (laughs) That's how they're thinking. And so she comes in and he raises her up. He says, this woman who's been bowed down for all these years by the devil, it's time she has something else in her character. And he gave her the life that only Jesus can give and raised her up. And that's our role in the church today. You know, that's what miracles are all about. Every place Jesus went, he did miracles. You know, they didn't have any uh, uh, advertising system. Jesus, the man, he's going to be... He's going to be at this stadium and such and such a day. They just, they, they heard about miracles. Miracles attract people to Jesus because they need him. We need him. We need miracles. And so they didn't have, they didn't even get a permit. They had, they, they had this meeting. They had 5,000 men plus women and children. So that's about 10,000 maybe in the crowd. They didn't even get a permit to hold the meeting. And they didn't have the venue worship team there either. They didn't even have a song. Jesus had it hard. Uh, We got it easy, man. We got a microphone. We can yell all we like. Everybody can hear us. He had his voice. Can you imagine a miracle of Jesus communicating with 10,000 people and everybody heard clearly? That's a miracle in itself. Can you imagine 10,000 people? With, with no place to go, no building, no shelter in case it hails or snows or something. They just gathered because they heard about the man who did the miracles. They came from outside the country to come to the meeting. And they, you know, they, they, there's no complaints. Where do we park our donkeys? You know, where's the parking staff? We, we've, we traveled a long ways. We've got our, all our pack, backpacks and stuff. Where do we store this stuff? And where's the toilets? Have you ever thought about the, some of the things that he did? Where there's 10,000 people gathered, no toilet at all—not even one portable. <laughs> Would you go to a meeting like that? Oh no, brother! I'm sanitary. <laughs> got to keep my sana- I got to keep my sanity too. 10,000 people. Can you imagine 10,000 folding chairs? Everybody carrying a folding chair, parked on a hillside. Okay, you move my chair. You sit in my chair. That's my spot. Okay, you imagine the chaos that that could have prevailed, and then he preaches so long, and the the meeting goes so long. He he keeps preaching. Everybody's thirsty and hungry. Nobody brought even brought a, a Starbucks or anything. They're thirsty and hungry. Then. They said, what are we going to do with feeding all these people? They want to save for the, the, the afternoon meeting. What are we going to do with them? McDonald's was closed for the night. And, and so one of, his, one of his dream team, the 12, they say, there's a kid that's got some lunch. They stole his lunch. <laughs> the only guy in the place that got any food. They stole the kid's lunch. Jesus was up against it. You know, we've got everything here. I so appreciate the music ministry and the dream team and everybody's working together so that we could have a miracle. But, you know, most of us would rather just come in here and have life as it was yesterday. We're not really anticipating or looking for something really, really different and challenging and that would deliver us from our bad relationships and the suffering that, we're, that we have uh, that we've been exposed to from our childhood, we never got rid of because we haven't ever gotten lifted up by Jesus. Well, if you get the right thing in here, if you have the right character, you have to get the right thing in here, and you let the man reign in here, you'll be lifted up today. Whatever it is you came in with. Whether it's a broken relationship or you're suffering with your kids or your your marriage or suffering at work, whatever it is, Jesus can take care of it all. Because that's who he is and that's why he came, to take care of it all. And see, we develop our spiritual life in the same way that we develop a filing cabinet, little by little by little. I had a guy... In our in our uh, worship team one time he said oh i'd like to just sit down and spend the time with jesus so everything would be changed and then i could really come and minister and i thought it won't happen you've got to take a little at a time that's why he's given us the scripture because you can take a little bit at a time a bite at a time but you've got to be persistent got to keep after it jesus said and i'm going to refer to a couple of passages john chapter eight and verse 31 he's talking to the Jews and he said to those Jews who believed in him if you abide in my words you're my disciples did you notice he the word says abide so he wants to come and take up residence abide like move in have meals yeah every day all day he doesn't want to just come and visit so often in our culture today we want just like a, a 15 second visit Get what I want, get what I need, and bye bye. But He wants us to come and abide. He wants to check, He wants to stay around for a while. So make up a way for Jesus to abide in you. He said, um, He said, if and you shall know the truth. If He abides in you, you shall know the truth. So often we misquote the scriptures. We don't take it in context. Abiding only comes by taking a passage of scripture and taking it in the whole context of who wrote it, who it's to and what it's for. Then we get the principle of it in our hearts and we file it in here. Once you have filed something in here from Jesus abiding in you, you can pull it out at will. If you're wise, you can pull it out at will and use that whatever he's put in here. It's his life that he gives us by abiding in us. The truth, when he abides, truth comes to us. And that truth, when it comes out, it'll make you free. And it'll cause you, when you bow down, it'll cause you to be raised up. You'll have self-worth, and Jesus will begin to flow through you. In John chapter 15, this is what Jesus said uh, to, to the people who are listening to him. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you hear that? It goes both ways. If you abide in me, my words abide in you. You shall ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. You can ask anything. You can ask for a miracle today, but there has to be an abiding first, a humility to surrender, to yield yourself to him so he can speak. You retain, and then let it come back out, and it'll produce a miracle. The seed of a miracle is the word of God. So you can ask what you desire, when I first saw that, I started asking for all kinds of stuff. I'll tell you, I had no limit. Whatever you desire, yeah. But I forgot about the abiding, because if he abides in me, I will, I will only ask what he desires, because he is abiding in me. And whatever he desires that I ask, God has already planned to make that come to pass. Yeah. He, Jesus' miracles were not haphazard. Okay? They were the... They were the fact of God working through his son with his word and putting it on people. So it, it's just an amazing promise. If you abide in me, my words abide in you. You'll ask whatever you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. So you become a disciple once you abide and once you do the word. Because the word only abides if you do it. It'll, it'll start to live in you. And then you can ask what you want. And it blesses the Lord so much when we start to bear fruit. That's our, our whole goal is to bear fruit, to do the works of Jesus. I want to tell you a couple of stories. You have to dig down, dig down, dig down. The key to abiding is digging down. You know, when you, you you hear about these gold, these people are who are gold diggers, you know, they hear about a gold rush someplace, and they rush off, and people are uh, out in the mountain with shovels and digging, and they're walking by with, with nuggets in their hand, and, and so many people just sit there and they say, well, I sure like some of those nuggets, but they, they don't bring a shovel. They never dig. They don't build a house when it's calm. They don't build a house when they have time. They don't dig, but they want the nuggets. They want the miracle. But if you go and dig, Jesus will come. It's like sitting by a stream. They're panning for gold. Yeah, I got some gold, I got some gold. People are walking around talking about the gold they've got. You say, I'd sure like some of that gold. And you sit there and I'm sure not getting into that filthy river. That's the river of life. It's dirty, it's confused. Okay, we've got to dig into the scriptures so that we can deal with that river. And we'll have gold. So keep, keep on abiding. Dig deep. You dig, then you do, and that's called serving Obeying God, you can only use that which is kept in your heart. You cannot get it on Google. You've got to dig it out, dig it out of the, dig it out of the, where the where the gold is. Okay, interesting thing in Acts chapter three. I'm going to just paraphrase this. There was a there was a man who had been he had been a cripple from his birth. It says he's a man, so it's got to be some years already. And he, every day he was carried to the gate where he would beg because that's all he knew. That's all that was in his, his, his filing cabinet is I'm a cripple. I've got to have help. Somebody has to carry me. I'm dependent on the people. I'm dependent on, you know, how, how gracious the people are, how generous they are. I'm dependent on it all every day. Then he'd go home. He'd get carried home some days. Maybe he uh, was hungry when he went home because people were not so generous as he thought but he'd sit there with his hand out and all he had was defeated him, trusting somebody to help him out. And so he'd sit at the gate to the temple because usually people that go to pray have a little bit of compassion. We'll give him a little bit, that's why he was there. So one day Peter and John came by and here he was, faithful as usual, sitting in his spot, somebody had carried him and here he's sitting in, and he reaches out his hand for, he wants some, he wants some money. And so Peter and John come by and they say, well, buddy, we don't have any silver and gold, but such as we have. What are they talking about? They're talking about the three years they spent with Jesus, walking with Jesus, having an impartation from Jesus, filing these things away, watching what Jesus did, repeating what Jesus did, doing what he commanded them to do. And that day, just this crippled man was there with his hand out. Peter reaches down, and he took him by the hand, and he says, such as I have. It was the anointing of Jesus on him, and that anointing went to him. That's why it's so key to touch people. The anointing that's on Jesus can come through you to touch people. That's why it it was a sacrilege when during that COVID time, you'd see signs in the school, don't touch. Keep your hands off. Jesus said, touch. He said, lay hands on the sick. So Peter reached out and he he said, such as we have, we give to you. And something electric went into that man who had never walked. His feet and ankles had no memory of walking or standing or crawling or anything. He was a cripple. When that life went into him, the Bible says his his ankle bones and his feet, they received strength and he jumped up. Can you imagine somebody who had never stood (laughs) jumps up? And he starts walking and leaping and praising God and the scribes and Pharisees are sitting there, why did he do that? We don't know this guy. He's a, we don't want, we want to know him as a cripple. We don't want to know him as somebody who's been touched by Jesus. But they just gave him what they had. What's in you? Do you have that in you? Do you have it to give to the person sitting beside you today? In church, just touching them. See, in the name of Jesus, such as we have, we're giving to you. You know, these things on the end of our arms, they're, they have a purpose. They're made for something, they're not used for flying. They're to be put on people in a respectful and holy and a believing way. Say, In the name of Jesus. We need to do that with our kids. We have trouble with our kids sometimes. Do you when you put them to bed, do you lay your hands on their head and bless them and say, In the name of Jesus? Okay? That's how you begin to transmit life. It's what's in your filing cabinet. So this man got not what he wanted, he got what he needed, the anointing of God. I want to refer to a passage today in Mark chapter 5. One of my favorite passages, so encouraging. Uh, Mark chapter 5, there's a woman who had an issue of blood. Do you ever read that story? Mark chapter 5, verse 27. Um, you no, know, I I'm, I'm should be looking at, uh, yeah, Mark chapter 5. Still got it wrong. <laughs> I will find it. Siri, where is it? (laughs) A woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. She had suffered many things from many physicians, and she had spent all that she had, and she was no better, but rather grew worse. She had a flow of blood for 12 years. Can you imagine, after a week of this, or two weeks, you women know, after a couple of weeks of this, you think something's wrong. Got up in the morning, "Mm, blood, that's not good. Another week goes by. You get up in the morning, mm, blood. You check at noon, mm, still blood. After two or three months, ah, bleeding, bleeding all the time, keep on bleeding. After two or three years, you're still bleeding and it doesn't quit. What's going into your phyla cabinet? You go to the doctor, he gives you a diagnosis. He says, do this, he takes your money. It's going in your phyla cabinet, money gone, money gone. Another diagnosis, another promise still bleeding. After five or six years, still bleeding. No. After 10 years, still bleeding. You got no money left. You got nothing to live on. You're ostracized from the public because at that day, if you had that kind of a condition, you were not allowed to go into public or you would, if somebody saw it, you would get stoned to death. That was the penalty. So she had a death sentence on her. It was filed. Death sentence. No help till one day she heard by the grapevine, there's a man. There's a man, Jesus. A crazy man. He's doing miracles. And demons are being cast out and people are being healed of every disease and epileptics are being healed. And every, He deals with every situation. She started to get some hope and a little something went into her filing cabinet. A little hope. Then she'd hear it again. It was affirmed. Oh, yeah, he's coming to town. Wow. She put that in her filing cabinet. And then one day she heard he was in town because the crowd was shouting maybe a couple of blocks from her house. And so that day she did something. She pulled something out of her filing cabinet. She says, I will. I will go. I'm going to see him. And so she put something over her head so that they wouldn't know who she was. And she went out into the crowd and there was such a big crowd she couldn't get through. Can you imagine the determination she had that she was going to get something from Jesus because something was planted in her in her filing cabinet. She gets down. I can see her getting down on her hands and knees and crawling between the legs of people and she could hear where he was preaching and she'd go and finally she found him and she sees him just two feet away and she reaches out her hand and the moment she touches him she gets healed instantly and she knew in her body that he had touched her because something changed in her filing cabinet and she did What Jesus put in there. That's how we need to live. We need to live with those miracles. I want to tell you about a miracle in my life. Something happened to me on the 18th of October of last year. It was a Wednesday. I was working in the backyard. Suddenly, I lifted, you know, a few things, which I did all my life. And I've had lots of muscle strains. That's common. You get over them. But something hit me in my chest that day. And I came into the house. I sort of took it easy, came into the house. I, of course, I didn't tell Pastor Beth. I didn't tell her all this stuff. <laughs> and so I was w- walking around, the, you know, all day and just continuing to do some stuff. And we had a small group that night. So we had the people over and served them and, and loved on them a little bit. And, and then you finally, you know, they went home about nine 8.30 or 9. And uh, I was glad when they went home that night and uh, because I was tired. I was getting very weary and it was heavy and it was painful. And I went to bed about 10 o'clock, but I couldn't go to sleep. It was just too painful. I couldn't rest. I couldn't lay down. So I got up and went downstairs to the green chair. The green chair is where miracles happen, by the way. You come to my house, you sit in the green chair, you get healed. Yeah, for sure. And so I was sitting there and I began to, um, I began to ask the Lord, what's this all about? I need you, Lord. About midnight, I took a, Advil. And uh, half an hour later or so, an hour later, I took another one because the pain kept getting worse and stronger. And I thought, I think it's my heart. I'm having a problem here. So I went into my filing cabinet and I began to pull out all those hundreds of files that I had stored there over the years, over the last 50 years. And I began to pull them out. All those scriptures, they started to come out. John ten ten: 10. The devil comes to steal kill and to destroy but i have come that you may have life and that more abundantly i said jesus today right here my green chair i'm taking abundant life and i begin to talk to the lord spend a couple hours with the lord in fact i spent four hours fighting over over this battling, bringing the scriptures into my life i pulled out the words of psalm 91 1 and 2 He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in him I trust. I'm not settling for anything less. And then I went to Proverbs chapter 4. Very powerful scripture that I got many years ago from the Lord. My son, attend to my words. Attend to, attend to. Listen to what I'm saying. Get them in your, observe them with your eyes and get them in the middle of your heart. For those words are life to those who find them, only those who find. They're not for those who look from a distance. They're for those who find, those who dig, those who get the principle established in their heart. And I began to confess those back to the Lord. I went to Romans chapter 8, verse 11. You know, if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, that same spirit that raised him from the dead he works in your mortal body to bring you life. That's his work. And I began to confess that to the Lord, the promises that he gave me. Actually, I even went to James 5, verse 14, and, uh, and uh, the Bible says, If any be sick among you, that you should call for the elders of the church, lay hands on the sick, and, uh, and, and, uh, and the Lord will raise them up. Yeah. Yeah. So I laid my hands on myself because I'm an elder and I laid my hands on myself and I thought, I'm one of those guys who's sick right now. I'm doing it in Jesus' name. In fact, I think I even anointed myself with oil. Why not? I'm a he too, I'm a person too. It's not just for them. Come on up worship team. Well that day, and, and I had written a devotional. There's actually, there's 31 files in this devotional. Month of October, it's all about healing. And I read the whole thing, 31 files, I emptied into myself. And then I read it again. And I read this 12 times a year because it's it's reminding me of the covenant I have with God and the promises he's made to me for a long life. Okay, there's some right over there on the table. If you want one afterwards, go and get it. There's 31 files for free that you don't even have to dig for, that I have dug them out over 40 years, and you can have one. So go and help yourself afterwards. So four o'clock came and the pain was getting so powerful in my life. I said, in my chest, I said, I'm gonna have a heart attack. But Jesus is still my answer. He's Whether I have a hangnail or a heart attack, same, same Jesus does the same work. So I went upstairs, woke Beth up, I said, uh, I think I might need some help. Um, she called the ambulance. So the EMS, they, they come to the house. 10 minutes later, they were there. I just got dressed and Beth got dressed. We went downstairs and they came to the house with all the stuff in their arms. they were gonna come in and see this old guy who's having a heart attack. They were gonna fix me up. Anyway, they came to the door. They were so quick, so respectful. I said, I can walk. So I went with the word of God in my heart all these files on my heart and I went out out, got out out the door of my house walked over to where they, they were parked along the street and the moment I stepped into that ambulance Jesus healed me. He healed me. All the symptoms left instantly. All I had is a little discomfort where the muscles around my heart had been gathering a little help for me. And jesus healed me that day i sat down in that ambulance and he made me take my shirt off can you imagine and they stuck all these things over all over me and you know what i thought to myself those suckers are gonna hurt when they come off <laughs> and i never realized that was the holy spirit speaking to me well if they're gonna hurt and if they come off that means that you're alive i didn't realize till later days later that the holy spirit was telling me something so I went, went through the process, went to the hospital, got checked out, had to. I, they said, you, you have to have blood work. I said, well, I'll go and get it tomorrow and send it to you. No, 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 you're doing it now. So they had to take me there to the hospital, do some blood work, and a cardiologist came and checked me over, and, and uh, she was having trouble getting into my veins. I said, my veins are good, no problem. I said, uh, she said, oh, I used to work in prison. No, don't worry. I said, what were you in for? poking around I thought she should go back <laughs> so anyway they got the blood work then I had to wait three hours to have blood work so I had to go have some lunch, breakfast and, and they did some more blood work and the cardiologist comes and he slaps something on my chest and he looks at his computer and he looks at your heart, my heart and he says oh your heart's a little big but it looks good, real good I was reminded later that when Jesus healed the lepers he said go to the priest and have them check you out if there's any kind of sign at all that you have any kind of le- leprosy or anything to do with leprosy, it's not my work. And I realized that day, this was the work of Jesus because he said, you're good to go. And I felt, since that day, I felt stronger, healthier, more more invigorated to serve God. Next, The next week, I, w- I went home, the next week, I booked a trip to Cuba because it's time to go to work. And so we booked a trip to Cuba to help them. You know, the, the day after this happened, when Jesus touched my life in a powerful, such a powerful way, I was walking through the house and this is what the Holy Spirit said, you've been in a secret place with me. I thought that's where I wanna be. And I wanna have what's inside me that will bring me to that place on a daily basis. Look for miracles, my friends. Believe God for, the great, for the, the, a great life, for a miracle life. Let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you today that you have not changed, that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. What you did then, you'll do now. And I want to thank you for the great miracle life that you have ordained for each of us that's gathered here today. We just want to honor you for, for the fruit that you give us. In Jesus' name, amen.